lesson, we will discuss two new gods that we did not discuss in the last lesson. So let's go ahead and get started. The first one is Thoth. His Egyptian or Kemetic name is Jehuti. In ancient Kemet, he was an ibis-headed god, and he was venerated as a moon god. He's specifically known for knowledge, writing the hieroglyphs, and languages. He's a patron of scribes, and therefore he played a very important role in the temples across the land of ancient Kemet. So around the same time that the universe was created, he was just self-created. So therefore he was known as a god without a mother. He's like almost like Ra's sidekick. He's his scribe. And he basically speaks for him. So anything that Ra or Ra needs done, Thoth is the person that typically goes out and he does his bidding. He was also very close to Ma'at. And in a lot of the ancient texts, people believe that they were married. And they go hand in hand because Ma'at deals with justice. He deals with wisdom and knowledge. So one and the other go hand in hand. She's literally the goddess of justice and order. They work together during the weighing of the heart ceremony just to make sure that you are worthy of passing over and living for eternity with Osiris in the underworld. The ancient Egyptians honored him as the creator of science, philosophy, magic, and religion. And his sacred animals were the ibis and the baboon. So remember on the Lion King, there was this little baboon and he was really smart and wise. That was literally Thoth or Jehuti. Whenever they went through the land, they found tons, literally millions of mummified bodies of these animals, both the ibis and the baboon. Located in the cemeteries, the appearance of Thoth, he typically has a human body, but then he has the head of an ibis. So he has that long beak. The Greeks had someone very similar to him, so he's associated with the god Hermes. In Greece, he was known as Thoth the Thrice Great, or Hermes Trismegistus. The next person that we're going to discuss is Ra. Everybody pretty much know Ra or Ray simply because in later times, they ended up only serving him and only honoring him when the Hyksos took over. But he is a solar deity. He's a creator god. He's known as the god of the sun, order, kings, and the sky. His symbol is the sun disk. And by the fifth dynasty in the 25th and 24th centuries BC, he become one of the most important gods in ancient Kemet's religion. He's identified primarily with the noonday sun. So when you look up in the sky and he's high up there, that is literally the embodiment of Ra. He ruled in all parts of the created world. So he ruled the sky, the earth, and the underworld. Ra was portrayed as a falcon and shared the same characteristics as our sky god Horus which is a Sar and a Set or Osiris and Isis son. At times, in fact, these two deities are put together and they call him Ra Horakati. He was believed to travel across the sky in his solar boat. And during the night, he would make a passage in the underworld where in order to be born again, he came back out the next day. So that's the sun rising and the sun set. He rose from the ocean of chaos, just like a tomb on a primal hill, and he created himself. So he's another one that was self-created, no mother, no father. And in turn, he ended up engendering eight other gods. 
So he's a very important deity. And again, as time went on, he's pretty much the only deity or god that most people are even familiar with when they think of ancient Kemet or Egypt. Now, in the last lesson, we did discuss that Isis transformed herself into a bird and she became pregnant. But there's part of the story that I did not go into that I would like to go into now. And it deals again with that divine resurrection. In order for her to resurrect her husband, she needed a whole lot of power. Okay. And the only person at that time who had the amount of power that she needed would have been Ra. So what she had to do, she had to trick Ra into telling her his name. The ancients believed that if you knew a person's real name, that gives you power over them. Even today, a lot of your witchcraft is done just simply by using a person's name, which is why you should not ever give out your real name to anybody. So what she did was she literally took some of Ra's spit and she mixed it with dust and she created a magical serpent. She took this serpent and she hid it on the path that she knew he walked every single day. And when he was traveling and walking, this serpent jumped out and bit him. Even though Ra had power over all things because this serpent was created with his own spit, he could not cure himself. So he quickly found himself on his deathbed. He called on Isis because he knew Isis was a great magician and she's also a healer. And she told him that she would only heal him if he gave her his secret name. Of course, he kept trying to lie. He kept giving her lesser names, but she knew all these names, so she knew he was lying. Eventually, he got so sick, he was like, look, let me just go ahead and give her my real name. So he gave her his name, and immediately she cured him. And when she did this, this gave her the same amount of power that Ra holds. So just the fact that she knew his name, because now she can call him forth, she can invoke him in rituals and spells and get some work done. So Isis is actually equal to the sun god in power. And this will enable her to go ahead and resurrect her husband. Now, I did want to go over and read the laments of Isis and Nephthys. And this is coming directly out of the ancient text. Because when her husband died, it was a very, very sad and terrible event. So many people on the world loved Osiris. He was literally the king of the world. So when he died, everybody came together to lament and to mourn. And they still did this for a very, very, very long time. They would always go and they would mourn his death. So I'm going to just read directly out of the text. And it says, glorify his soul, establish his dead body, praise his spirit, give breath to his nostrils and to his parched throat, give gladness unto the heart of Isis and to that of Nephthys, place Horus upon the throne of his father, give life, stability, and power to Osiris, born of the great forsaken one. She who is called also Pelsis, the truthful, glorious are her acts according to the words of the gods. Behold now, Isis speaks. Come to thy temple, come to thy temple, O An. Come to thy temple, for thine enemies are not. Behold the excellent sistrum bearer, come to thy temple. Lo, I thy sister love thee, do not thou depart from me. Behold Hanu, the beautiful one. 
Come to thy temple immediately. Come to thy temple immediately. Behold thou my heart, which grieveth for thee. Behold me seeking for thee. I am searching for thee to behold thee. Lo, I am prevented from beholding thee. I am prevented from beholding thee, O An. It is blessed to behold thee. Come to the one who loveth thee. Come to the one who loveth thee, O thou art beautiful on no far, deceased. Come to thy sister, come to thy wife. Come to thy wife, O thou who makest the heart to rest. I, thy sister, born of thy mother, go about to every temple of thine. Yet thou comest not for me. Gods and men before the face of gods are weeping for thee at the same time when they behold me. Lo, I invoke thee with the wailing that reaches high as heaven, yet thou hearest not my voice. Lo, I thy sister, I love thee more than all the earth, and thou lovest not another as thou dost thy sister. Surely thou lovest not another as thou dost thy sister. And then it goes on and Nephthys begins to speak and Isis speaks again, but you kind of get the gist here. It's long and it's drawn out, but it was a very long ceremony. And she was very upset because she lost the love of her life. And again, I reiterate, they never consummated their marriage. So that's why she tricked Ra to get that power so that she was able to bring him back and become impregnated with his divine seed. Well, that's not the end of the story. In fact, this is just the beginning because you all know evil is not going to allow her to birth this child. So after the funeral, Set imprisoned her and he put her in prison and she was pregnant. He did not realize she was pregnant at first, but she knew she had to get out of there because if she did not and he found out she was pregnant, he would kill the baby. So Thoth, the great God, the chief of Ma'at, both in heaven and on earth, set her free and told her that her son would one day grow up and defeat Set and would retake his father's throne. She was given seven scorpions to protect her and her child. And the scorpions' names were Tethan and Bethan, which walked behind her. She had two scorpions on either side of her, Mestet and Mestepheth, were on both sides, and then she had three scorpions in front of her, Patet, Thetet, and Maatet. And they basically protected her as she journeyed. Isis ended up literally leaving a life of luxury and being a queen goddess to becoming a homeless woman and a beggar. She had to hide in the swamps. She had to lower herself and basically become as a begging woman in order to avoid Set because Set was crazy. And again, once word got out she was pregnant, he wanted to kill the baby because he knew that baby would one day overthrow him. So long story short, Isis came to a city. The city name was Pasu. It was known as the goddess of the divine sandals, which was situated in front of the Papyrus swamps. She came to the houses of a very wealthy woman. And when the woman saw her, she was afraid of these scorpions. She saw, she slammed her doors. 
Isis kept going. Eventually, she found a poor woman whose name was Taha, who let her in. Now, the scorpions were angry because they saw what this rich woman had done to her. So they took all of their venom and they put it all into the tail of Tefin. And while Isis was in the house with the poor woman and her baby, Tefin snuck off and went back to the rich woman's house and stung the rich woman's son. And shortly after this happened, a fire broke out in the house and there was no water to extinguish this fire. So basically all hell broke loose in the rich woman's house. The wealthy woman ended up walking the streets, wailing and crying. She was very sad because she knew her baby was going to die from the poison. So Isis took pity on her and she told her to come over to her. And she said, come here. I'm a woman who possessed magic. She took the baby and she spoke a spell over the baby. And the spell was, O poison of the scorpion Tefent, come forth and appear on the ground. Thou shalt neither enter nor penetrate further into the body of the child. O poison of the scorpion Bethent, come forth and appear on the ground. I am Isis, the goddess, the lady, or the mistress of words of power. And I am the maker of words of power and spells. And I know how to utter words with magical effect. Hearken ye unto me, O every reptile which possesseth the power to bite, to sting, and fall headlong to the ground. O scorpion of the scorpion Mestet, make no advance into his body. O poison of the scorpion Mestet, rise not up in his body. O poison of the scorpions Petet and Thetet, penetrate not into his body. O poison of the scorpion Maatet, or Martet, fall down to the ground. And as she spoke these words, the heavens opened. Water began to come out of the sky. So that put the fire out on the rich woman's home. And then the baby regained his strength. Now the sickness that was on the baby went onto the woman. So what the wealthy woman did was she went and she took many of her possessions and she bought her possessions to the poor woman's house. And as she began to give those offerings, of course, her child was healed and she too was healed. And Isis used this opportunity to create a recipe that could heal scorpion stings. What she did was she took bread cake, which was made of barley meal, and that could drive out the poison. Natron, which made it withdraw from the body, and fire made of hatchet plant. And she used that to drive out and destroy the fever that was in the body. This is an ancient remedy. And because you have to remember, Isis was a woman who was able to heal. So when she took the form of a regular person, if you were to come across her, you probably think she was a medicine woman or a root worker. But she was really a goddess hidden in the skies, again, hiding from her crazy brother, Seth. So as her journey went on, Again, she continued to live as a pauper, going from place to place, wearing her rags, but she still had her scorpions there with her. And so later on, she traveled to Sekhet-An, and she left her child Horus unattended. She went to Hetep-Hemp, the celestial houses, to make libation for her husband. And while she was away, Set pops up again and sends a scorpion to kill Horus. 
When the scorpion got there, it stung the baby, and Horace's cry was so loud that it drew the attentions of everybody around. So even from the temple of the holy Achaia tree, they could hear the baby crying, and someone sent forth a cry of lamentation. When Isis came back home, she found her beautiful son lying dead. And she began to cry and to weep uncontrollably because she'd been through so much. She'd already lost her husband. She lost her status in society. She was living basically homeless. And now the child that everybody told her that one day he would be able to take this throne back and vindicate her husband's death was lying there dead. At that moment, she forgot the fact that she was a goddess, that she had magic and all this stuff. All she could focus on was her problems. And I know a lot of you can definitely identify with that. When you're going through something, especially out of trials and tribulations, Sometimes these problems can seem larger than life to the point where even though you may have some money in the bank or have education or have the means to do better, the problems sometimes seem to outweigh all of that and you just break down and you begin to cry and you begin to lament and you begin to just give way to these emotions. And so this is basically what happened with her. She just broke down. And she cried and she wailed so loud that her cries reached the heavens. And it also caused her sister, Nephthys, to come. So Nephthys journeyed to her. Nephthys was accompanied by a friend of theirs named Cirque. And they came over and they found her just crying and lamenting. And she was saying that when she came there, she found our baby just laid out and his lips had foam on his mouth. And the floor was wet with the cries that the baby had cried. And she just couldn't take it anymore. So her cries again reached heaven. And as they reached heaven, all the gods said, we have to do something because Horus is destined to retake this throne. So Thoth literally left his heavenly abode. The sun stood still and Thoth came off of Ra's boat and he came down and he reminded her of who she was. He reminded her that her son is blessed. He told her, he said, you don't have to cry. We are here with you. He has divine protection. And he took the baby in his arms. He said a spell over the baby. He told him that Ra has said that he will live again. And after he did this spell over the baby, of course, the baby was resurrected. This story is very important because, again, I know right now a lot of people are suffering. They're going through all types of things. It seems like you're going from bad to worse. If it's not one thing, it's another. If you're losing your job, your family members are dying, the evil ones like Set just won't leave you alone, just keep aggravating you and won't let you just live your life. They're always coming up with something evil and perverted and trying to poison you. 
doing everything they can just to make your life hard right now. And that's because they know your purpose. They know that you have a divine destiny, just like Horus, just like Isis. And this story is a beautiful story because it lets you know that the greater your suffering, the greater the reward. Because this isn't the end. This is not the end of the story. But I think it's very important that we go over this portion because a lot of people just skim right on past the suffering. They skip past the fact that Isis mourned, Isis lamented, Isis was homeless, Isis had to lower herself as a beggar. They skip all of that. I know in Christianity, they don't even talk about really whatever happened with goddesses or women of power because they don't honor women of power. They only focus on the man. So they wouldn't even spend any time talking about her or what she went through. But it's very important that we know these stories, that we recite them, we remember them, we share them with our children because these stories are your history. This is exactly what we go through every single day. So again, the child was resurrected. He had a divine mission. He was given back over to his mother. His body was healed. And honestly, if Isis would have calmed down and thought about the fact that she just healed somebody else's child, she really could have healed him too. She resurrected her own husband. So there's no reason she couldn't have resurrected the child. But it was just the fact that it was so much. It was just too much for her to bear at that point. And she just literally just gave up. And she went into that woman's side. I guess she'd been pretending to be a woman for so long that she just forgot about her own inner divinity. So it's very important that we remember who we are and where we are. Because a lot of times when you incarnate on earth, this happens to you. You begin to go through struggles and trials and tribulations. And before you know it, you've forgotten all about the fact that you yourself are divine that you have the greater one within you, that you can call forth help if needed, and you begin to just focus on the problems. So don't just focus on the problems. Always remember who you are, why you're here, and how and why you incarnated at this moment in time so that you're able to pull forth that inner divinity and change your life for the better.
in the world in the world is right here right now the golden race conscious radio for the conscious community 